Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really pleased to welcome back for the second time on Be Brave at Work, scientist, author, collaborator, leadership coach, and speaker, Carol Valone Mitchell. Carol first appeared on Be Brave at Work in kind of late September, early October 2020, when uh, we spoke about a book she had launched a couple of years prior called Breaking Through Bitch, and we're going to be talking about a new book that she has authored, The Collaboration Code. With a particular passion for helping women lead and succeed, Carol investigates what it takes for women to lead effectively. She wrote the book I just mentioned, Breaking Through Bitch, and developed the Women's Leadership Blueprint, a gender-specific research-based model describing the unique profile of behaviors that top leaders have in common. Following the success of that effort, Men started to say, hey, Carol, what about us? And so Carol turned her research focus to men who break from the traditional top-down leadership style to lead collaboratively and as successful women do. And Carol just authored the collaboration code, How Men Lead Culture Change and Nurture Tomorrow's Leaders, which also includes the men's new leadership blueprint that describes the set of behaviors that collaborative men leaders share. Companies and coaches call on Carol to help them develop leaders using the women and the men's leadership blueprint assessment, as well as customized development programs and competency-based experiential workshops. Carol is also a contributing editor for HuffPost at the personal request of Arianna Huffington. I'll have to ask her about that. And has published numerous articles on issues for women in business that have trended on social media and have been republished on other outlets such as USA Today, World News, and Fast Company. As I mentioned before, I am thrilled to welcome back Carol Fallone Mitchell. Hello, Carol. Hello, Ed. I'm really glad to be back. Thank you. Well, thank you for coming back. (laughs) You're quite welcome. We're thrilled to have you. So I gave everyone kind of an overview of your uh, work in the public arena, but I certainly would love to give you an opportunity to share for a couple of minutes what you are currently doing and, you know, how you really interact with the marketplace. Um, Sure. It's an interesting time for me because uh, Collaboration Code just launched uh, a little less than two weeks ago. And uh, of course, the focus of Collaboration Code is around collaborative male leaders. 
um, a lot of my interaction with the marketplace is working in women's leadership and using the women's leadership blueprint. So I'm uh, I'm having an interesting experience doing two different things. I haven't had a chance to bring them both together, um, but this is phase one. <laughs> phase one is you know focusing on the book and and uh, getting visibility around that research. Um, uh, and then phase two will be integrating some of what I've researched around men and women together in order to help organizations uh, develop more collaborative leadership. Well, it seems to make sense that you would first focus on women then you would next focused on men. And so it seems potentially logical that you would look to see, hey, can I combine these and talk about wh what great leadership is regardless of gender? Yes, and it's it's great because some people have pushed back about, well, isn't good leadership good leadership? And um, indeed it is collaborative leadership. I knew uh, from studying the um, successful executive women I knew that it was not just a nice way to lead. It wasn't just the way women uh, lead successfully. I knew that it would apply to men. So part of my effort for Collaboration Code was to understand how do they do this differently? Because clearly they get pressure um, to be more top-down leadership. And that that was the assumption I went in with the re to do the research, and I in fact found that to be the case that men do feel pressured to adhere to stereotypes. Well, we would expect that they might feel that pressure. And of course, the topic today is being brave in the workplace, and how does what you have researched trend or influence bravery in the workplace? And part of what I love about your work, both in your first book, Breaking Through Bitch, and in your second book, The Collaboration Code, is that they are based on research. There are millions of books out there that talk about leadership style and attributes and behaviors and the seven this, the nine this, the 12 this, right? I mean, if you wanted to learn about leadership, I tell clients this all the time. Hey, if you want to learn how to be a great leader, Google it, right? You'll get this <laughs> dozen, you'll get dozens of responses. But you know what I love about your work, and I, I just want to uh, ask our listeners to pay attention to the following statement. It is based on research. So this isn't just something you've thought of or uh, just put together, uh, you know, uh, in the shower, so to speak. But, you know, this is after talking to people and either male or female and doing research to come to a conclusion about the behaviors that people need to put in place in order to be a great leader or to be a great collaborator. I said it so brilliantly that nothing, <laughs> it's like, what, what else can I say, Ed? What can I add? Um, no, I think that that's probably a differentiator for my work. I mean, two things. One is it's research-based. And second, and I'm proud of this because, you know, I come out of academia um, and my original research with women leaders, well, I was, I was researching both men and women at the time to understand the differences. but. Um, you know, it was an accomplishment for me to write now two books where I I got rid of that academic voice to make the book more accessible and more fun uh, for for everyone. So um, I, you know, that's probably something I'm 
most proud of. I take the research for granted because that's just who I am. Uh, you know, that's that's my way of investigating anything. Well, I will tell folks that in the collaboration code, you tell a story about a Hawaiian volcano <laughs> and people who came together to address the impact of it, both in advance of and after. And that is as non-academic <laughs> as you can get, because stories are great ways to engage the full brain in articles I have read versus uh, academia. And I have certainly read books that I think were written by academics. And in some ways, it's almost as if they were written for academics and they just were not enjoyable. And they were hard to read and hard to get through and they're always longer. And so I didn't think either of your books felt academic and they have great stories about people. And again, they reflect the research that you've done with those people. And I'm just curious, Carol, as you think back on the two books, I have two questions to start with. You know, are there any attributes or behaviors that you found that were similar between women leaders and men leaders? So in the two kind of blueprints or models, are there any attributes that are either the same or similar? They are similar. And I'll, you know, I'll hit the a foundational trait that I uh, that I saw in the executive men that I interviewed it was, I labeled it tempering ego. And it is, I think, equivalent in many ways to, in the women's model, balancing assertiveness. So both of those traits require uh, self-awareness and they both require paying attention to how your audience is receiving you. How are you showing up for them and then being able to modify your behavior to make them comfortable. So um, I see those two things as very related. They're different in the sense that they're driven, why why we're driven to, um, for men to demonstrate tempering ego and for women to demonstrate balancing assertiveness is um, it comes from different places. Uh, you know, for for women, uh, women who have succeeded by and large, and many male executives and uh, board members have, have told me they find dealing with a female CEO a pleasure versus dealing with a male CEO because, quote, they don't have to deal with a big ego. So that's not, that's not an issue for women that they need to overcome. What they need to overcome is people feeling intimidated by them when they're smart and assertive um, and softening their impact on other people. So it's different, but, but similar. Well, I love the comparison between tempering ego and balancing assertiveness, especially as it relates to being brave in the workplace, because I believe other guests have observed that you know one of the things that are important when you're having a conversation that requires bravery, right? So it required this need to say something that's hard to say, or you think the person doesn't want to hear, or you think the person's not going to respond well to. And, uh, you know, how do I do that? And one of the words they use is being very present, which means you don't have your phone, you don't have distractions, that you're there to talk to this person, to ensure that this person hears you, whether they want to hear it or not that you listen to that person and you hear what they have to say, whether you want to hear it or not, because your goal is to 
influence progress. And I think you have to temper ego and you have to balance assertiveness in that conversation because if you don't, you're at risk of saying, hey, I don't think you're doing something right. Here's the answer. Move on. And yeah. the person may be like, well, wait a minute. That's not how I operate or, you know, I don't see things that way. Is that a little bit about, you know, what you think of when you talk about tempering ego and balancing assertiveness? Um, sure, I, I, I do. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really more and more unfolding as, as time goes on. You know, I only finished writing a collaboration code in May and, um, and obviously was going through revisions during the summer, uh, minor. But um, it, as I worked on it more and more, and even now, as I'm talking to people about it, I'm having new thoughts. You know, my my perspective has expanded, and it's still in in that process. So, um, you know, I've, I mean, just the fact that people cannot lead collaboratively unless they temper their ego, so that they can, they have to focus outside of themselves in order to be empathetic. So, you know, that whole thing. Uh, I've been looking at more and more and realizing that was really at the core of the women's leadership model as well, even though I didn't call it out quite as loudly. Well, you know what they call that, Carol, uh, as it relates to a book, it's called the second edition, <laughs> which is, you know, your research is continuing whether you want it to or not. But right as you talk about it, you hear more stories and more observations and certain things that you've developed become clearer and clearer. And, uh, you know, that is certainly by no means a surprise. And, you know, my second question is the opposite, which is when you looked at the attributes for women's leadership, including collaboration, and then the opposite, the uh, attributes for men in being better leaders and being more collaborative, were there any differences? So were there, you know, any attributes or traits that were either opposite or different in respect to, you know, how they might navigate toward each other? Uh, it's a great question. And I, Honestly, when I look at, you know, I, I, I broke the model into two parts. One was the foundational trait of tempering ego, um, which enables you to be empathetic, to listen and respect all. Um, and that does correspond to the women's model where women absolutely, they were, um, they were empathetic and they listened. Um, and they had a very egalitarian view, um, which I saw as their way of helping people not be intimidated by them. They would, you know, erase hierarchical boundaries, if you will. Um, and I saw that as being driven by the fact that people generally have um, discomfort with women in power. And so the women were were couching their leadership as I'm just first among equals, you know, really leveling the interactions. Um, with men, um, I guess it really is the same thing when they're tempering ego because they, um, when they put their egos aside, actually somebody pointed this out to me. Um, and in the book, I, I mentioned the fact that when a team leader puts his ego aside, it allows the other team members to do the same. 
And often it's a bunch of egos in a team that can make it dysfunctional um, and problematic. So, so having a collaborative leader at the head of that team does, um, you know, it does help people put that aside um, and makes, you know, for better collaboration. Well, I will tell you, I have a client who is president of an organization and he has, you know, I wouldn't say an uncontrolled ego, but he has an ego. And anytime the team meets, you know, it's very obvious to me as a kind of observer of the experience for the team that everybody is acting in a way to uh, recognize or satisfy his ego. Yeah. Right. So it's not a feeling of collaboration and I can say anything that I want. And sometimes people yeah. do and they veer out. But, you know, it's very clear that they are, I'm trying to think of the right word, either sensitive to or trying to satisfy right. or, even, or even placate his ego. Yes. And what he needs is somebody to pull him aside after the meeting to say, hey, let me tell you how I experienced you at the meeting and what the impact of that is. And it might be more effective that you you know, read this book or think about ways yeah. to support and create more collaboration. Because if you do, you'll get better answers, you'll get better insights, you'll get better observations from people. Because right now they're not saying it because they're, af they're afraid they will offend your ego. Well, and I think it's only natural to want to protect your ego. And I just ran across an HBR article this morning um, about, you know, about what happens when you allow yourself to get an inflated ego as a senior leader. And, and what I thought was interesting and I hadn't thought about was it really does make you a target to be able to be manipulated. And by that, I mean that like you were talking about the team um, in that example, they're trying to placate his ego. Well, you know, they could, they could use um, because he does have an ego, they can use that to their advantage to manipulate him. And it, and I thought that was an interesting perspective. It, it does. Yeah. Yeah, that is, that is, I can imagine that happening in this particular yeah. relationship where people aren't just uncollaborative, but they're also being a little manipulative, right? right. To, to get him to think about things in a certain way or to think he has a great idea and it's not a great idea. Exactly. And um, uh, I do this all the time. <laughs> I had a thought. I had I have many thoughts, but one came <laughs> flying by and I just I don't, I'm not sure that I caught it uh, right away, but it may it'll perhaps it will come up later. But this whole thing about ego is um, I think is is really important. Um, not just, you know, from the perspective of making people feel comfortable, but, oh, I know what I was going to say. I think, uh, and again, based on this current research with men, I think they have to be very self-assured. They have to be confident, not overly confident, but they need to be confident because to put yourself out there, to be vulnerable, to ask for help, all of these things. I think a big ego won't do, right? They, they're protecting themselves. And I think it's because they don't have the confidence in themselves to reveal their vulnerability. And therefore, how could they collaborate? So 
it's a, you know, it's an interesting puzzle. And, you know, as a coach, I'm sure, you know, you probably have thought about this and how to, how to help somebody actually uh, overcome that. It, it kind of gets into that whole uh, probably personal psychology realm that coaches tend to not want to go down too far, right? We're going to pause in our conversation with Carol Valone Mitchell and ask you to join us at our next podcast, where we'll continue to talk about the research she has done on understanding how men can be more collaborative and be braver in the workplace. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week. And we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on Apple, Google, CastBox, Overcast, Radio Public, Heart Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.